Hello everyone, and welcome to your place for all things paranormal, supernatural, spiritual, and conspiratorial. Today we are going to be talking about one of Canada's two Roswells, the Shag Harbor Incident. Welcome to the Triangulum. The first and only UFO case that has not been discredited by the police, the military, or government departments, apparently in history. Yeah, in the world, apparently, yeah. The only one where they haven't said, nah, it's a weather balloon. Well, here we go. No weather balloons here. I love that Pockets of gas. Yeah, pockets of gas. or Ball lightning. Yeah. Or all of the above nonsense. Nonsense, exactly. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, so. So, Shag Harbor. Shag Harbor. Never been there. Been around there. Yeah, I know. We should have went. You know what? To be honest with you, though, I didn't even know. I honestly, I'm really kind of excited because of all, since looking at Shag Harbor, the Shag Harbor incident, I'm realizing, wow, Canada has had some amazing things happen um, with UFOs. And actually going as far as the Canadian Mint commemorating special coins, Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Falcon Lake. Falcon Lake. And, and now uh, the second Shag, one was Shag Harbor. Shag Harbor, mm-hmm. yeah. So I think that's I think that's awesome that uh, that Canada actually... Yeah, I think we're probably the only country in the world where we're like, you know what, UFOs, let's put them on coins and sell them to people. <laughs> it was a cool incident. Let's commemorate it. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, yeah, you know, I think it's great. It is, and uh, I'm saying that uh, it's Canada's Roswell... I believe that Canada's had many Roswells. And, I think it's uh, one of the two. I think Falcon Lake and this one are are probably the two most, uh, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for. Which one? Falcon Lake? Yeah, said? Falcon Lake and this one are like the most... <coughs> tangible? <laughs> I don't know if tangible is the word. Yeah. I, I don't know what word I'm looking for. I was looking for a word and I've lost it. You can edit this out. Okay. <laughs> Well, I do uh, truly wonder, you know, at what Canada has recovered over time. And uh, I do hope we have our own Area 51 or Wright Patterson. I don't know. We're Canadians. We probably bandaged them up and gave them some food and sent them on their way. (laughs) We probably didn't recover anything. We're probably like, nice to see you. It's good of you to drop by. Safe trip home. Call us when you get there. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's how we do things. That's how we do things here. Right. All right, anyway. so let's get into it. The incident. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So Shag Harbor's in Nova Scotia. It's on the southern tip kind of Nova Scotia off the Atlantic. Right. And uh, the incident was October 4th, 1967. Yeah, 1967, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Shag Harbor, for those who aren't familiar with it, is a pretty small fishing community. I couldn't imagine at that time there would be more than a few hundred people living there. Yeah, not If many. at all. Yeah. If at all. Yeah. Um. And uh, it's, I I guess that day, I don't know what day it was. I think I looked it up. I think it was like a Wednesday or something mundane like that. Tuesday or Wednesday, yeah. 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 And it was about 11-ish at night and witnesses started noticing some lights in the sky. Now, these lights weren't just seen at Shag Harbor. They were seen along the coast in different areas um, of, of Nova Scotia. Which is mm-hmm. it wasn't just in one spot. So there was a few sightings of lights that day. So there's like pre sightings to the big sighting. Yeah. So there was uh, a sighting from, by an Air Canada flight. Yeah. Where some are saying, I think this is the right one, where they uh, they almost had a collision. Collision with it. With it yeah. Um, there was a sighting by uh, Mahone Bay. Yeah. There was a sighting uh, by a captain. Captain Mercy on his ship off of uh, Sambro, I think, or yeah. somewhere near Sambro. Yeah. Um, then there was some sightings kind of in Halifax Harbor. Right. And then we get to Shag Harbor. Yeah, yeah. With a big, apparently the big event. Yeah, the big event took place. Took place. Yeah. The, the where it all started, mm-hmm. I guess. Which is interesting to note that when people were seeing the, these lights, they didn't think anything that it, of it being a UFO, they thought, "Oh my God, a plane's crashed in the harbor." 
Yeah, so let's go let's go through the details of that. So yeah. it's about 11ish. Yeah. So one of the top witnesses for that is uh I think his name is Lori. Lori Wickens or something yeah. like that. Yeah. He's uh I think he was a local fisherman or he was young anyway. Yeah. Um and he was heading home with his friends. From they a had dance. Yeah, they had been at a dance and they were heading home and they were driving through uh Shag Harbor on Highway 3 and then they see this huge object kind of coming down over top of the waters of the harbor. Mm-hmm. And at first he thought, well, him and his friends thought that it was a plane. Um, not like a not like a jumbo jet kind of size plane, but like a passenger airliner, you know, not not Cessna size, but not, um, you know, Dreamliner size, right? Right. And uh, they were driving along, and they noticed that it had lights. Yeah. Yeah. So the lights were kind of blinking in a sequence. In a sequence, yeah. They would blink in a sequence, and then they would go off. Yeah. And then they would blink again, and then they would go off. Yeah. So they they kind of were driving along side by side, almost parallel to this, as it was tracing along the uh, yeah. tracing along the shore. Yeah, yeah. And then as they were coming to a hill, he said in his uh, in his interview, he said that it kind of tipped to the side. So almost if you were looking at it face on, it kind of tipped to the left. Right. Um, almost at I guess maybe a thirty forty five degree angle. Yeah. And then descended towards the water. Yeah. But they lost sight of it. Behind a hill. Yeah, they were dry when they were driving. Yeah. So as they came up at the top of the hill, then they saw it in the water. Yeah. Yeah. I, did he say that it was a flash or? or no, the, no, he doesn't. He, record, he doesn't say anything he like that yeah. because that time between when he saw it kind of tip to the side, like it was going down into the water, right? Or at least moving in the direction of the water. Yeah. And by the time he got to the top of the hill, he saw that it was in the water. In the water, yeah. Yeah, how it got there. Did it steer towards the water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was accompanied. Yeah, there was uh, two unidentified flying objects. Objects, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was was two, but everybody's focused on the one that went into the water. Yeah. They saw it go. They saw that it was in the water. Mm-hmm. They could see that there was kind of almost like it was floating. I think he said it was on the surface of the water. Yeah. He described it as being about sixty feet in diameter. Yeah. I think it's bigger. I think I think it's much bigger than that. I, I think it, I think it was probably bigger. Yeah. I think they're probably if you go by what you can see, like as an outline. Yeah. It's dark. It's clear, but you may not be able to discern exactly. the outlines as as easily as you might you might think but if you look at like light to light yeah maybe that's 60 feet and there's like extra on either side of that that's yeah. not accounted for yeah i think it's bigger who knows and heat uh coming off of this thing obviously you figure something was wrong mm-hmm. so he so. said he said in his interview that when they got to the top of the hill they saw that the object was floating out in the water maybe 800 to a thousand feet offshore right so they uh, thought that a plane had crashed and yeah. that there would be like people in the water yeah, and a yeah. rescue, you know, all that kind of stuff should happen. So they went to the nearest uh, payphone. Yeah. Because uh, remember, it's 1967. 67, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no cell phones. Exactly. So they drove to the nearest payphone and he called the uh, RCMP detachment in Barrington Passage, which is where Shag Harbor is. Right. Part of the larger community is Barrington Passage. Yeah. And he reported that he's seen an airplane or airliner crash into the waters off Shake Harbor. Right. And that started the whole the whole ball in motion. Yeah. With, rega- with regards to let's get out there and save the passengers of the airplane that have gone that has gone down in Shag Harbor. Yeah. I think it was about fifteen minutes or so. RCMPs, the first RCMP officers. For those of you who are not familiar with RCMP, that's the Royal Canadian Mounted, uh, Mounted Police. Uh, police, yeah. Um, they arrived on scene. Um, they were worried that there would be potential survivors so, yeah. because they had also seen when they got there that they could see that there was something. There was a light, kind of glowing, glowing yellowish, orangey light. Yeah, like uh, uh, under the surface of the water. Water, yeah. Some people, uh, one person, I can't remember who the guy was now. He was saying that it was like a light that was visible about eight feet above the eight, water. Eight feet, yeah. It looked like it was about eight feet. But above there was the also water. kind of lights that were visible uh, just below the surface. Yeah. So perhaps the uh, the craft is still functioning, still has power. Yeah. But it's now sitting in the water. So the tide wasn't bringing it in. It was going away from the tide on its own power. Mm-hmm. So it was moving away from shore against the tide, but it wasn't moving very quickly. Yeah, on its own, in it, with its own power. 
under its own power. I think at the point before they started calling in the Rescue Coordination Center, I think there was actually three RCMP officers that had showed up. Yeah, yeah, they were three or four, actually. Yeah, and a, and, a, and of course, a crowd has yeah. gathered. It's yeah. a small fishing village, so as soon as you hear, see something like that... Everyone's coming out to have a look. Absolutely. So there was a lot of witnesses to this craft being in the harbor. Well, that and they're thinking a plane crashed. So they're, you know... Like, yeah, there were... Well, usually in a small fishing village, anytime something like that is happening, fishermen mobilize. Yeah, they get together. And actually, they said that uh, the RCMP uses the uh, local fishermen for rescue efforts because they just don't have enough people. They know the area. Yeah. They know where they're going. Yeah, they, they know, know where they around. need to be. Yeah. They're going to get out there pretty quickly, and they'll be able to help you out pretty fast, too. Yeah. Thank God. That lorry guy, uh, he and his friends ended up going down to where this crowd of people are. Right. They're all kind of watching it, right. right? He says that it just kind of disappears. Yeah. yeah. It didn't fly away. It didn't seem like it sunk. It just kind of disappeared. Just lights out and gone. So what do you think that could be? Um, we were did it, did it, did it descend? I think like we were talking about before it cloaked yeah. and it descended. It went under the water. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously you don't want everyone on top of it. You know, mm-hmm. they don't want to be, I mean, I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think it cloaked itself some way and just descended, uh, to the bottom, you know, and tried to, uh, disappear. Yeah, maybe. You know, definitely try to disappear. Well, there was, a, there was a guy at, uh, I can't remember his name. I didn't write it down here. Anyway, there was a gentleman at Mason's Beach, which, let me take a look at this on Google Maps, just to give you an idea of how far Mason's Beach is from Shag Harbor. Is this the guy that was burning the boat? Yeah, this is the guy who oh, yeah, took yeah. the picture. Yeah. So, Mason's Beach. Let me just get some... Direction. You know, I'm really curious to see um, what Paul Elliott would have to say about uh, about this event, since he was, I don't know if, that, if he was at that time, but he's one of the only diplomats, Canadian diplomats, that thank God came forward, or who has come forward, to say that UFOs and uh, ETs exist, and the technologies exist, and is pushing for them to be, um, pushing for some kind of disclosure on it. Uh, and he was ministry, uh, the minister of defense and transportation. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering. I don't know if he was at that time, but um, curious to see what he'd have to say about uh, about that whole incident. So it looks like Mason's Beach is about two hours um, northeast of Shag Harbor. Right. So if it came down through that area. Okay. And eventually crashed mm-hmm. off of Shag Harbor because it would have come across Quebec because that incident with the plane, the plane was over Quebec. Right. Then it could have come down. It could have been circling around trying to get past the land if it was going to uh, maybe crash out. Yeah. And it would have passed Mason, Mason's Beach. So this gentleman at Mason's Beach, he was burning an old boat. Right. He and his buddies were getting rid of an old boat, so they just set it on fire to watch it burn. But he has camera with him to take some pictures of it. So he took a long exposure photo of... Uh, and he put a rock on top of it and just... Uh, yeah, because this is like an old Pentatax. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just to hold the button down. A old Pentatax kind of... Uh, uh, not Pentatax, Pentatax. Pentax. Is that yeah. how you say it? Yeah, Pentatax. So, yeah. um, he, he put a rock on it to hold it open so that it could take a long... Long exposure. Uh, yeah, and it was... Probably about five minutes, I think he said. I think he said five minutes, yeah. Yeah, what's interesting about his photo, though, is that you can see that there are like three distinctly different lights. You can see the trails of the stars. Yeah. Because the stars will leave uh, a nice... uh, a nice trail behind them for long exposure, right? Earth's moving. Yeah, exactly. So that's... That you can see clearly in the photo. And then you have... The pit, these like three or f- three lights that look very distinctive. One's kind of purpley. Yeah. One's kind of reddish. Yeah. And the other one is like this orangey kind of yellow light mm-hmm. that looks dimmer. <clears throat> yeah. It doesn't look as strong or as prominent as the other two lights. Yeah. And from the accounts by the witnesses, the lights that they seen in the water were the orangey yellow light. Yeah. Yeah. 
So I'm wondering if this guy's picture from Mason's Beach is actually a picture of that UFO maybe experiencing some sort of some mechanical trouble. issues. Yeah. Because it's... It's definitely a different looking light than the other two than lights. The other two, yeah, yeah. What do you think? I agree. I mean, and, and somehow they're they came to its aid, um, you know. Or they were all traveling together. Yeah, they were obviously traveling together. Or this one came into the atmosphere, and like somebody suggested, it came into the atmosphere over northwestern Canada. Canada, yeah. And the other three came in to look for it. Yeah, because there was a problem. Mm-hmm. You know, going to help. Mm-hmm. The witnesses said that they watched it, obviously. Right. They see that it kind of disappears. Yeah. However, we still got to get people out there, right? Yeah. Because we got a rescue situation on our hands. We have a plane that went down. Because at that time, still nobody was under the impression that it was a UFO. No, no. Everybody was still thinking 100% this is a plane that went down. Yeah. And there's people in the water and we got to get out there and help them. Yeah. Yeah. So the RCMP that was there contacted the Rescue Coordination Center in Halifax, told yeah. them what was going on, and they asked them straight away to check with mati- uh, military and civilian sources to see if there were any uh, aircraft any, missing. Yeah, any crafts down, you know, any Air Canada or any other flights that might be you know, coming Or civilian going. planes that civilian are missing, planes, yeah. military planes <clears throat> that are missing, me. any of that kind of thing. Yeah. But before anybody could get out there to like begin their rescue attempt, the object had disappeared. Some say it sunk, some yeah. say it just disappeared. Yeah. So there's a toss-up between it either sunk below the surface, did yeah. it sink below the surface because it wasn't functioning, did it dive below the surface because it needed to get out of view? I think it dove. I or did it, it cloak, yeah. right? I think both, actually, but yeah, you know, that's me. So anyway, the community really kind of started together. a rescue mission yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, so local fishing boats went out to the crash site straight away. It was all within like maybe a half hour. Yeah. They went out and they didn't find anything. Yeah, nothing. Other than a lot of yellow, sulfury-smelling sea foam. Yeah. So they find all this heavy, sulfury yellow foam, and really what they're looking for is bodies. Yeah. Because they still think... Or wreckage. Or wreckage, that it's it's a plane crash. Mm-hmm. Well, usually a plane hits the water, it disintegrates pretty good. Yeah. Unless you're like Captain Sully and you can land it belly on the water <laughs> and everybody's, you know... Everybody's safe. But Fitting, Canada <laughs> geese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unless you're that guy, forget it. Most times, when a plane hits the water, it pretty much disintegrates. Yeah. yeah. So wreckage should have been readily, yeah. readily found. Yeah, uh, yeah. Survivors, victims. They were. That's what they were looking for. Mm-hmm. In pitch so black. Fishermen, fishermen didn't find anything, and the Canadian Coast Guard, which got there maybe about an hour. Yeah. After the incident. Yeah. They were dispatched from Clark's Harbor. Yeah. Um. They didn't find anything either. Yeah, yeah. Just the foam. And it was a clear night. Like, it was a, apparently a very, very clear night. Mm-hmm. Now, about the yellow foam, I'm not... I think some people think the yellow foam is indicative of, like, maybe fuel or something like that. But yeah. we all kind of agree, I think, for those of us who follow extraterrestrial stuff or UFO stuff, that they probably work on anti-gravitics. Yeah, so for sure. the chances of it having a fuel source on it are probably slim to none. None, yeah. But yeah. what I do think it could be, it could be there is, we all know seafoam exists, right? Yeah. And seafoam is usually generated through the agitation of seawater. Seawater, yeah. So if they hit an area out there that had algae or any kind of like plant life that Plankton was deca- and decaying, other, yeah. and then this thing is in the water and it's got power... Heat. So let's say it's got, yeah, heat, power, jet power, whatever kind of power it's using, yeah. right? And it's agitating the seawater. It yeah. would create quite a bit of seafoam. Seafoam, Just yeah. through that water agitation. Yeah, yeah. So I think rather than looking at it as possibly some sort of... Fuel source. Indicator that the the craft itself was heavily damaged. Yeah. I think it would be wiser to look at it as... Uh, kind of like a a clue yeah. that the craft was there. Yeah, absolutely. And was powering itself. Yeah. I don't think it was heavily damaged. I think something was wrong with it. Yeah, maybe. You know? Yeah, maybe. Something could have been wrong with it. Mm-hmm. Hence why people are saying there was a secondary... Secondary secondary craft along with it. Yeah. For the whole time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was following it. Yeah. So what we know is there was a secondary craft. Yeah. And the first craft. First craft hits the water. It's water. It's sitting under the water, sitting at the surface of the water, and then just disappears. Yeah. Secondary craft did not hit the water, but it also disappeared. Disappears. So now nobody has any trace of any of these things. Yeah. Right? Fishermen don't find anything. No bodies, no wreckage. Coast Guard doesn't find anything. Nothing. Just... Seafoam trail and this well and even that is dissipating, dissipating by the time they get out there. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't really doesn't really tell them where they went. Yeah, yeah. nothing. So, so it wasn't until I think the next morning that the RCC uh, got back to uh, got back to the RCMP and said that there's no aircraft missing. Yeah, they've checked all sources. There's no commercial, no private, no yeah. military aircraft yeah. missing all along the eastern seaboard. No with crashes, the, yeah, nothing. In the Atlantic provinces, in Canada, and in, uh, I think, New England or something like that, or down that Atlantic yeah, seaboard. Yeah, the whole seaboard, yeah. Nothing missing. So it yeah. couldn't have been a plane that crashed. Yeah. So what was it? So they send a telegram to the air desk in Ottawa and they handle civilian and military UFO sightings. Right. And they inform them that there was a crash, but all conventional explanations are nil. Yeah. Yeah. So it was eventually, at that point, labeled a UFO. A UFO. Then, yeah. Which is kind of cool that it worked in a benefit to the whole case, which is people were calling it a plane crash. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they didn't know. Yeah. So it was a plane. Yeah. I bet if they had said, oh, man, a UFO went down. Yeah. It wouldn't have gotten that much attention. Exactly. But because they said a plane went down and people were worried about, you know, people dying, people dying and being injured and, and uh, stuff, that yeah. it got all this attention straight away. Yeah, yeah. So once the air desk at uh, Ottawa was informed, then uh, it became, it, it got around to the Navy and the Navy suggested that they do an underwater search. Yeah, divers and that. Yeah, so yeah. it was, I think, probably within, I think, two days or something like that. The uh, the Navy was there, and yeah. they were searching. They were combing Shag Harbor, yeah. looking for uh, wreckage, looking for any kind of clue that anything yeah. had been there. Anything. Mm-hmm. And they weren't having much luck, or at least they said. They said. They said they didn't have much luck. Actually, it leads me to this question. This is kind of an interesting question for you. Does Canada have an Area 51? <laughs> um, they have kind of a Canada area, Canada's Area 51. Is that like that uh, Area 10 that we saw? No, no. I, I think, I think. well, I tried looking up Area 10. I think they just took a, a video of a cool sign or something like that, <laughs> or a, something they thought looked awesome, and they put it, in the, put it in the film. I tried looking up something for Area 10, and I didn't find anything. All right. But there is, technically, um, uh, uh "Quote unquote Area Fifty One in Canada, okay, or the closest thing to it, and that would be uh, Canada Forces Base Suffield, which is in uh, Alberta." Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, it's uh, they they started doing some UFO stuff there, like uh, in huh. ni- in the nineteen forties. They they had a lot of UFO sightings in Alberta. That far back? Yeah, and uh, they were being reported to the Royal Canadian Air Force. So the um, Canadian Defense Research Board um, decided to establish this like UFO landing field. Wow! At Suffield, um, and it was like a thousand square miles or something like that. A UFO landing field. So it's just like yeah. close so, encounters. Sort of. They had this. They movie. had this like kind of wacky idea. So their idea was: okay, you see a UFO, we're going to get the jets out and chase it. Okay. Right, and then we're going to. Engage them, and then we're going to force them to land, and then we're going to study their technology. <laughs> we're going to force. Yeah, we're gonna make them land. Yeah, that was their plan, but it wasn't really working. So the research board came up with a new plan, and that was to scatter all these like random items out there huh. in that fa- thousand square miles. Okay, like things that they thought would attract UFOs, right? Like planes and cars and other kind of random crap all around the area, huh. hoping to in- it like kind of like lure entice the ufos to land and make contact with them that's awesome yeah so uh it pretty much ran like that for quite a few years and then actually your guy there paul hellier yeah he uh he acknowledged the existence of uh et's yeah even though um the government was saying they were no longer interested in ufos yeah paul's 
pretty interesting guy. Mm-hmm. So in the 50s, I think it was, they started the, you know, uh, what's his name? Kehoe? Yeah, Major Kehoe. Yeah, from NICAP. Yeah, Project Blue Book. Uh, yeah, so he, he, well, he also was pushing for an operation of their own in Canada, right? Huh. Uh, to have a an operation based in uh, Canada's top secret project, and that would that would have been called Project Lure. Sometimes I wonder if some of these American researchers wanted to set up in Canada because they could actually allow people to know what was actually going on yeah, they wouldn't here be. that they couldn't in the United States. Yeah, they wouldn't be gagged yeah, as much with what was going on there. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway. Suffield, Suffield's still around now. It's like one of the top facilities in the world for chemical and biological warfare testing and research. Wow. But that doesn't mean that they're still not doing weird UFO stuff. Like I don't know if they're still putting trinkets out on the airfield to see if they can get UFOs to land, but that's uh, how they started anyway. I don't think they need trinkets. I think they've, <laughs> they've, already, they've already landed. And yeah, you know what? Probably. It's, it's too bad. When we were going out west... I know. Had I had I known, yeah, yeah. we could have drove there. Could've we went. There we went well. to the gate of Area Fifty One. We could have went to the gate of Suffield and been like to the two places. But that would have been awesome. We could do it. We'll do it. We'll plan it. Uh, let's do it again. Yeah, I can drive there. Uh, I'll do it again. <laughs> it's a it's a deal. It's a deal. All right. All right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Shelburne CFS Shelburne factors into this story. Yeah. But that's after you get to the Navy um, snooping around in Shag Harbor looking for some evidence of something that has happened. Yeah. And by this time, now the public, there's a lot more people coming around to check out, uh, you know, what's going on. But what's interesting is is that the, the talking between witnesses and RCMP is, yeah, it's a, it's a UFO. Mm-hmm. They weren't even saying it, it isn't. Yeah. They were telling each other, yeah, it's a UFO. It's no, I, think we, I think we have to be cognizant of the idea that the military is going to use the term UFO maybe differently than the general public That's uses true. the term UFO. So, you know, a military guy say, yeah, absolutely, it's a yeah. UFO, which just means to him, we don't know what it is. Yeah, we don't know what it Whereas is. Whereas the public is like, aliens, yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we have a tendency to be like that. So I, I think... In this situation, everybody's talking about the same thing. Yeah. But it's easy to be like, oh, no, that terminology just means it's unidentified. Unidentified, There yeah. was an object. It was flying. Mm-hmm. We don't know what it was. And it did go in the water. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was no uh, arguments about that. No, not at all. You know, uh, because they... People saw it in the water. Yeah, and they were people, notified to go and look for... RCMP people saw it in the water. Yeah. So there's no doubt something was in something the water. Something was in the water. It was big. Yep. It had lights. Yeah. And it was in the water yep. where it shouldn't have been. Shouldn't have been. That's not even an argument. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Now yep. you got to figure out what it is and where it went. Yeah. Right? So divers. Where did it go? Yeah. That's the big one. Yeah. Right? Where did it go? <laughs> where did it and its friend go? Yeah, it and its friend. And yeah. then its friend's waiting somewhere else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So according to uh, investigations done by people who have delved into this far, far more for far longer than Chris or I ever have. Yeah. Because um, this is still this is kind of a, a, I, new, I, a new interesting story to us. Yeah. But based on all the hard work that these people have done, we have this information. And uh, the information is this. The military knew that it went down in Shag Harbor. Right. The military knew that they should dive there to look for some stuff. Right. Just to kind of appease the locals. Right. But at that time, it's also suggested that the military knew that the craft was gone. Mm. Traveling submerged. Okay. Out of Shag Harbor, around the islands there, around the point... Around, I think it's Hawks Island or something like that. Right. Or Hawks Point. Yeah. And took up residence off of the coast of Government Point. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, did they have divers at Shark Harbor? I think, did they? They did. Have, they had divers at two and a half days or something? Yeah, three days, something like that. Yeah, they dove. And they, they said they didn't find anything, but witnesses did see them coming out. They said they, they had Navy markers. Yeah, but... 
Were they Navy markers? Well, I guess that's... not. I think if there was any kind of debris off of this craft when it crashed, it would be so insignificant. Like, not insignificant in its value, yeah. but just such a small piece of the craft that it probably had no effect on the craft yeah. at all. And to, to get it out of the water would be easy to hide. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a big piece. Of, you need a truck, flatbed, yeah. to, to put it on. So it would seem that the military knew that this craft traveled submerged like right. a submarine around uh, all of the little islands and stuff that are off the coast of Nova Scotia right around the point called the Hawk yeah around that all the way up to close to McNutt's Island but right near government point right and in government point is Shelburne right and in Shelburne is you guessed it CFS Shelburne Shelburne yeah mm-hmm and? Well, that's a government that's, facility. Yeah. Yeah. Special. Yeah. Government special naval facility. facility. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Canadian, uh, Canadians, you know, they, you know, they act like, they, oh, yeah, everything's good. They're very fucking good at keeping a secret. <laughs> yeah, we don't like to talk too much. This is true. You know, they, they think it's. The Americans, are, no, no, you gotta, you gotta really look into the Canadians, man. They really know how to keep things quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, and the other thing that's good about it is they don't care if they tell you. But no, they'll keep it secret. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there is, there is uh, CFS Shelburne. So actually, I think before that it was called HMCS Shelburne. Right. Uh, anyway, they, uh, they were like a navfac. So a naval facility. Right. And their whole thing was they were a SOSIS arrays facility. Yeah. So Shelburne, this naval facility. Right. Which is uh, on the coast of Nova Scotia. Right. Is where the military believes or says that the Shag Harbor UFO left or went to. Yeah. So it, it it's... Navigated out of Shag Harbor. Shag Harbor, yeah. With its secondary UFO. Yep, two of them. Yep. yep. Underwater. Yep. All the way over to Shelburne and took up... Residence. Yeah. Within the 12 miles of the coast of Shelburne. Right. Right? Right. So SOSIS is a sound surveillance system. Mm, okay, so it's basically cool. like a magnetic anomaly grid that they have laid out to pick up uh, heavy metal right. traffic. So basically, it's to pick up subs. Okay. In the North Atlantic. Makes so sense. So they're using it to track whether any Russian subs come into the waters. The 12 mile perimeter or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So this facility was functioning in conjunction with the US. So it was a joint venture between Canada and the US. Okay. This. North Atlantic sub detection system was a joint venture between the two countries. Right. However, they were selling it off as like an oceanic facility that yeah. was like studying moss, or <laughs> studying waves. St- remember, wasn't it the salinity of the water? Yeah, there was, and, yeah, and all this other and its nonsense. Effects on, yeah. on on ships and whatever. Yeah, exactly. They were yeah. stu- they were studying the water and making sure that the water wasn't going to hurt their ships or some nonsense like that. Yeah. Yeah. But in reality, that's what they were there yeah. for. They were tracking whether any uh, nuclear subs were coming into the coming into, into the waters our areas yeah. off of the North Atlantic. Right. Then this happens. We got something sitting off the shore of our station. Right. It's unidentified. It's large. Right. It's making an anomaly in our anomaly grid picker upper. Yeah. So it's they're getting signals. Mm-hmm. Let's go out there and see what it is. See what it is. So they go out there with their ships, joint venture. A lot of them, too. Yes. And they start diving. Yeah. And that's when they realize this is not a submarine. Yeah, yeah. You could just imagine some <laughs> of the stories. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a Russian submarine, yeah. unless the Russians really got some stuff figured out. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, wasn't it that the one... Diver was talking in the mess. Yeah, so a, Cana- a Canadian and a, a Canadian diver and an American diver kind of got into a quarrel yeah. in the mess hall on the ship. 
And the, the Canadian, American guy, no, the American guy was telling him, you shouldn't be talking about that kind of stuff when you're sitting over top of a Russian submarine. Right. And the Canadian guy is like, I don't know what that goddamn thing is, this. but it is no Russian submarine, yeah. and it ain't from here. Now, I don't care what you try to tell people. That mm-hmm. is not, it's not from here. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Which, good. Yeah, pretty much. I'm glad. I thought I was a Canadian, too. <laughs> you know? Come on, get your head out of your ass. You know, you know that's not a sub, you know, like yeah. really. Come on. I think if you've been down there and you looked at it, you know yeah. it's not a damn sub. And they were saying, pretty sure I heard them saying that they saw things inside moving. Yeah, somebody, uh, one of the divers reported that he saw Beings. He, he, he saw things, quote yeah. unquote, that were not from not around here. from around here, exactly. So it would seem that you have a sub, uh, not a sub, see? I got fooled already. Yeah. You have a UFO. You got a craft. Underwater near a surveillance military base. Right. These divers are seeing beings moving around inside them. Yeah. Moving around trying to fix their machine. Fix their machine. So or that they can get the hell out of get here. Get out of there, yeah. I think that's what it was myself. They were patching up or fixing up. Now, that makes you wonder too, eh? Thank God nobody could get into it. Yeah. And like pinch them. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, thank God nobody was like, oh, let's just break into this yeah. thing and steal whoever's inside. A giant fishnet comes along. Yeah, or something, something weird like that. You know what I mean? I doubt that they could, but... That would have been, like, just horrible. It would have been. So I'm glad that no nobody no, no beings no beings were harmed in yeah. the uh, the making of this event. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so they... Uh, they, I think they don't. How long was it there? About a week, I think. I think it was seven days, a little over seven days, or something like that. Yeah, that I think it was about seven days. Yeah, and took pictures mm-hmm. and had monitoring things around. Yeah, they were place. setting up cameras to take pictures of them yeah. and uh, setting up video monitoring equipment and all kinds of equipment just to monitor the ship there. So they obviously got pictures. They got pictures. They got lots of things. Oh yeah. You'll never see them. You know, and what a shame. What a what a friggin' shame because it's there, stationary in the water. Mm-hmm. Oh. Which is interesting, too, that it, it seems to function as well in the water as it does out of it. Yeah. I wonder why that is. I wonder if it's some sort of like, if you're using electro, uh, sorry, uh, anti, anti-gravitics, what are you using in the water? I guess it, you know, I've made some sort of displacement of force some sort. field of some form that displaces the water, you know, yeah, pushes it away from you. Mm-hmm. Um, so then my next question would be if you were downed, right? You're a UFO, you're downed. Why did you go here? Why did you leave Shag Harbor and go to where Shelburne was, CFS Shelburne? Well, you got kind of an interesting. Well, I was looking. I was looking at what would be the reason. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't really, to me, make much sense to go to CFS Shelburne as a UFO and just sit in the water and watch them. Not much difference between there and and here. Nah, but to like sit below the surface and just like sit in their array, their magnetic anomaly array, and then for what purpose? Yeah. Right. Um, they're just there to see if subs are coming. Yeah. For the most part, unless they're doing something, something that we have no, that we, we have know. no idea yeah. about. Yeah. But what if that magnetic anomaly grid afforded you the opportunity to find something that right. you needed to repair your ship? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that's what I was wondering. So um, the magnetic anomaly grid will pick up different types of minerals, obviously minerals that have okay. magnetic qualities. Yeah. And a couple of them were hematite. Okay. I think it's pyrotite. Pyrotite. Okay. Pyr- it's like pyrite. Right. But it's an iron sulfide mineral. Hmm. And I okay. don't know if the fact that it's an iron sulfide mineral may have anything to do with the sulfury smell of the foam. It could. It could. But I don't know that for sure. Yeah. But perhaps being in that magnetic anomaly grid. Right. If you don't have the power to find the minerals you need to fix your ship. Yeah. Perhaps this can give you a clue as to where to look. Yeah. yeah. Or at the very least, it keeps you protected. Protected. Because now you're inside the grid. Maybe you can use that grid to your advantage. If anything is coming at you, Yeah. you can see it coming. Yeah. 
there must have been a reason, and I don't think just to see what they're doing for detecting subs in the North Atlantic. Yeah, I don't think is so. Is the only reason. Yeah. And if it was indeed a UFO that you know ended up in the water in distress somehow. Yeah. Like I don't know what powers them. I don't know what they need to fly. Well, that's just it. But if there's some type of minerals, crystal minerals, or something that they need, mm-hmm. um, that's where you're going to go. You would think. You would think. If that's what you need. I mean, even if the grid system itself was sending off some kind of electromagnetic that you could energy pick up on, that they could take. Sort of like boosting your vehicle. Exactly, boosting your battery, you know, whatever. If it gives off an electromagnetic yeah. uh, energy of some sort. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it's just, yeah, you know, I don't know either. putting it out there. I think I think there's more to the idea of them sitting off of the coast of that. That area. Yeah, that base yeah. than just... I don't think it had anything really to do with snooping with what they were doing. No, I don't think they did. There was something they could use there, was, and that's yeah. that's what they were doing. Yeah, yeah. Where they could be hidden, they could make the repairs if they yeah. had to make repairs that and, they needed, and then they could leave hidden. Yeah, go off deeper out into the ocean, and you wouldn't even know. They, just, they ended up, uh, the military, I believe, well, according to the military, they tracked them leaving... That area after um, after the week and Russian subs were oh yeah crossing yeah, yeah. the twelve mile border. The Russians were very interested in what was sitting in yeah, that. Yeah, all of a sudden they started coming into the. They scene. breached. They breached the twelve mile. Uh, uh, whatever it is, the law or cord that they have that they're not supposed to. Yeah, and uh, boom, all of a sudden the crafts became active, lit up, and took off. Mm-hmm. The military guy who reported that that happened was saying that the Russian sub was kind of posturing. It was pretty tense. Yeah. Tense situation that we don't even know about. Yeah. It powered up. Powered up. And it left the area. Submerged. Submerged. And it didn't exit the water until uh, it got back to the Gulf of Maine. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of close. Well, it's not far off from where it went in in the first place. In the first place. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And gone. mm Mm-hmm. Gone. So... There's a couple of things. It went into the water because it had a problem. Definitely. It had some, one of them had a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of them had a problem. And then it, it looked for the closest area it could get to where it might be able to use something to something fix its to machine. to fix itself. Or at least be protected yeah. while, while they, it was while making the repairs. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. The fact that there was another craft that was tied to it. Helping out, yeah. Helping out is, I mean, it makes... It's just logical sense, mm-hmm. you know, like that something something else is there to help. Cool. Very, very cool. Cool. Such a cool story. So what's interesting about this is that we have a document right. that proves that somebody other than the military or any kind of government body okay. was aware that they were looking for something at CFS Shelburne. Which proves the event. And at Barrington Passage, right. a.k.a. Shag Harbor, yeah. right? Yeah. So this comes from, so this document, which is available in, the, I think, the National Archives or something like yeah. that, provided yeah. that you have the actual number, because that's the thing about Canadian archives, is like, if you don't have the actual number, they can't help you out. Yeah. So it's an RCMP um, statement. It's Report. from, yeah. yeah, it's from October 7th, 1967. Right. It was... Uh, Detachment is uh, Lunenburg, right. which would be near where that was. Those little communities all kind of fall under there. Right. The file of reference is 67-400-23-X. A real, true an X a, file. An X file. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Unequivocally, an X file. <laughs> I love it. And the title, yeah, the title is Unidentified Flying Objects Sighting of... Uh, and the area was Sambro Light, um, Nova Scotia, right. on October 4th, 67. So this statement was taken three days later. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it says that uh, on this date, a request was received from the Halifax Subdivision Section, NCO, via XJD84, to contact Captain Leo Howard Mercy of the Marine Vehicle JB Neckerson, or Nickerson, uh, relative to his sighting of a flying object off Sambro Light on 4th October 67. Hmm. It was further requested that the results of inquiries be forwarded to Barrington Passage in view of a similar sighting in that area. Hmm. So Captain Mercy was interviewed and the following statement obtained. So he 
it shows his date of birth. It shows where he did the interview right. on the 7th of 67. And it says that at about 9 p.m. on the 4th of October 67, he noticed an object with three flashing red lights. Radar indicated that this object could be 16 miles away. Right. And it was very clear that night. And we could see the lights of Halifax. And at the time, our boat was 32 miles south of the Sambro light. And the object was approximately 16 miles north east of us. I would say the object was 16 miles southeast of Sambro. At times, the Navy do a lot of practicing in that area. At the same time, there were three other objects on the radar and about six miles from the first object. I would say it disappeared around 11 p.m. when it went up in the air. I could not see any shape or form to it because of the distance. When it went into the air, it only had one flashing light. And while the object was on the water or close to the water, it had three real bright flashing red lights. All the lights on it were red. I could not see any lights on the other three objects as they were only appearing on the radar. Wow. So that's a suggestion that there might have been four. You know what? I think there's there was a lot of them around at that time. I mean, even listening to Chris Stiles, who did a lot of research, like a lot of research in the area, and who was on in Nova Scotia as a, as a kid and had a, a UFO mm-hmm. encounter that same night, about an hour away from Shag Harbor. There was a lot going on. There was a lot of activity going around in that area at that time. Well, What's interesting about the statement is Captain Mercy ends it with saying, I've never seen anything like that before, but it sounds like the thing they're looking for down off of Shelburne or Barrington Passage. Yeah, yeah. So three days later, he knows that the Navy is searching off of the coast of CFS Shelburne yeah. and off of the coast of Shag Harbor. Yeah. So you have definitive proof right there. Oh, yeah, a fisherman absolutely. saying yeah. Yeah. Navy divers are looking for stuff. Big time. In these two parts. Yeah. That's on paper. Yeah, I saw a few of the other reports where... And it says, um, oh, can I read this? Because yeah. I find this funny. At the very bottom of this, yeah. after he signed off on it, it says, it's like bulletin point number three. It <laughs> says, Captain Mercy is considered to be a reliable type individual and bears a good reputation in his community. <laughs> when you do a statement at the end, that back in the day, they used to be like, this, this guy, guy is full yeah. of shit. Or yeah. this guy is a good guy. He's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, was, I saw or saw some of the other reports, and some of them were in detail of what the ship looked like, what they saw underneath, what was going on with flames, and you know, and whatever. Oh yeah. But the biggest one, or the one that I liked best, was the guy drew on the report what it looked like. But then, how old was he when he when I, this happened? I think happened? he was a, a, a kid. Oh yeah. I think, I think, I'd have to go back and check it, but um, the thing that blew me away was that there's an arrow to one, it looked like a porthole or a window in in the ship, and he said that I saw people moving inside. Oh, wow. You know, just like the divers. Was it in the water at the time no, or in the sky? No, it was in the sky. And he down, saw people and he in saw it? he saw people in it. Wow. It was an RCMP report. They say every time they go to this case, it's just more and more comes out mm-hmm. um, uh, about it. It never just dries up, mm-hmm. so which is good. Mm-hmm. Which is good. That's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I see. Pe- I saw people in there. Right. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because, I mean, there's a lot. The wear cats back. <laughs> Lucas, <laughs> Lucas, shh. We're doing stuff. There's a lot of. There's a lot of witnesses a lot of people whose stories are all fairly in line yeah they're coherent not everybody was in the bruise that night you know what i mean no, and so that, they all had like a mass hallucination this obviously is a thing that happened and again everybody was under the impression this is a plane that went down it was a plane crash they're scared they're worried mm-hmm. they're going out to help mm-hmm. uh, again i think that worked in favor to the whole the way the whole thing played out in the end I'd like to do a show on is Wilbur Smith mm-hmm. yeah, um, and how important this guy was showing that there's other things in the universe and they're coming here. Mm-hmm. But that's another show altogether, his Ottawa event in 1954. Yeah. Well, he yeah. basically proved that there was 
movement. There's stuff up there. Yeah. And outside of airplanes and whatever else we know that flies in the sky. Yeah. And the minute he pro- he proved he it, proved it. They shut him down. They shut him down. <laughs> so yeah. you know he's right. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. You know, very 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 interesting guy. So here we are. That's kind of the end of the story. Yeah. When it comes to Shag Harbor, yeah. we don't really have any definitive thing as to what was going on yeah. and what they were here for. But what we can know for sure is like it was October 4th, 1967. Yeah. There was strange lights over Shag Harbor. Witnesses aplenty saw it go into the water. Lots. It yeah. disappeared. Disappeared. It ended up off the coast of a, a military base yeah. that was there to detect sub-movement in the North Atlantic. Yeah. And when uh, some Russian subs came posturing with it, it left. It took off. Now, whether it went down of its own accord or it went down because of mechanical troubles... We'll, we'll probably never know. Never know, yeah. And maybe somebody does know, and yeah. we won't ever know the actual truth. But as uh, as a Canadian, I'm happy to say that this is one of those cases where they didn't they didn't shove it under the rug and try yeah. to pull the wool over our eyes. They said, you're, you're right, guys, it was yeah. a UFO, and we don't know what the hell it was. Yeah, and good to the diver. Yeah, yeah, it's for standing up. Exactly, I don't give a goddamn what you're going to say. Yeah. I know what I saw. And it ain't from and around here. it's not here. from around here. Exactly. Don't try to bilk me out of not believing it. Exactly. You know, and so. I also want to say, you know what? Kudos to the Canadian government and the Royal Canadian yeah. Mint. Don't hide from your experiences. Nope. Put them right out there. Nope. Not Embrace now. them. Yeah, not anymore. Well, thanks for joining us on this. Hope you enjoyed the story of Shag Harbor. Yeah. Hopefully, you guys uh, became a little enlightened. On yeah, or find Canada's it as UFO inter- history. Yeah, find it as interesting as we do. Yeah. So thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Thanks. Have a great night. Take care. Yeah, be good to each other. Talk to you soon. Visit us at our website at thetrianguliumpodcast.com or email us at thetrianguliumpodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Facebook or support the creation of this podcast through Patreon at patreon.com backslash thetriangulum. Your support, as always, is appreciated.